Welcome, welcome. I just want to share with you what kind of day it is because I just found a small piece of broccoli on my computer that I made this morning. So the disarray is starting right out of the gate. I want everyone to know my beautiful, amazing, wonderful love of my life child. Still not sleeping. Didn't I ask you guys for some help, man? This is where we're at with this, with the toddler bed, let me tell you. Goes into the bed. He's so cute. He goes in, we tuck him in. Such a big boy falls asleep, but now we're at the stage of every two hours, gets out of the bed, comes into mommy and daddy's room and says, either want mama to tuck me in or want dada to tuck me in. Every two hours at night, somebody has to go back in and tuck him back into bed. So, oh man, what I'd give for just 12 solid hours, just once. My mom's like, 12 solid hours. You're not going to get that for like 10 years. That's what she said to me this morning. 12 hours. I want one day. Yes, Tyler. I I carried the child. I birthed the child. I want one really good night's sleep. Is that too much for me to ask for? I think I think eight is pushing it. I think eight shoot shoot for ten. <laughs> Sometimes my husband will be really amazing and will like try so hard to get up in the morning and be like, "Let mommy sleep." Hartley takes his hammer, bang, bang, bang on the door. Forget it. They're young. They're babies. And then you know what it is? I'm so frustrated. And then I see his little face and I'm like, oh, man, it's okay, baby. Come to mama. Kiss him up. And then next thing you know, we're laughing and eating French toast. But could you sleep a solid 12 hours? Or is it wake up, go back to sleep, wake up, go back to sleep? I have been sleep deprived for the last two years. If you put me in a nice room, those blackout shades, I, I think I might be able to do past 12. I'm not even kidding. Uh, that's that's where we're at. People at home, by the way, weigh in if you're parents. Do you feel sleep deprived? Does it ever end? At what age does it end? Like what age do they get to where all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can sleep. They're just behaving all night long. When does that happen? 30. 30? Yeah. My mom tells me when I have this conversation with her, she's like, I still don't sleep when you're out late at night. I'm like, mom, I'm 43 years old. Maybe, maybe catch a nap every now and then, you know? Amazing. That's what we good parents who love our babies do, though, right? We sacrifice, we sacrifice, we sacrifice for them. So welcome, everyone, on this beautiful, amazing Friday. One show announcement. I will not be here on Monday. We're not going to have a show on Monday. But next week, we have two big, 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 one interview and one really big shoot the shit. So I'm going to announce for you now that we're going to have Rolo Tomasi on on Wednesday with me. He's going to be live. He's going to be in studio. And it's going to be a great conversation, a little bit of debate. We'll agree. We'll disagree. Remember, this is a space for a respectful exchange of ideas. I'm really excited to have him here. I can't wait to hear you know, what he has to say on a bunch of topics. And I think it's going to be fantastic. You're going to want to tune in. That's next Wednesday. And then next Friday, we have an interview with Dr. Pilevsky, Lawrence Pilevsky, who is a pediatrician. He's been controversial. Uh, Big Pharma doesn't love him in many respects, but we're going to talk about wellness. We're going to dig into some key topics. We're going to talk about Skittles that have just been banned. We're going to talk to how to get you about how to get you healthy uh, and what's really been going on for the last two years. So these are going to be two two amazing guest segments that you are certainly not going to want to miss. They get heated. You know how it is. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Don't forget to hit your like button if you like this video. We need that support to keep doing this incredible free thinking show that we've launched with your help. So I come in today and I'm ready to start talking about Pat Benatar. I don't know if you're fans of Pat Benatar. But before I can talk about Pat Benatar, some news broke uh, earlier that I just, I have to mention. Who's familiar with Elena Kagan? Anyone? Show of hands. I'll raise mine. I know, Tyler, you are as well. Supreme Court Justice Elena Kagan made a comment. I see this flash Uh, on the screen. I was on Twitter at the time. From the Hill, Kagan warns that Supreme Court legitimacy at risk if it strays too far from public sentiment. 
public sentiment. I said, hmm, let's see what she said. This I actually thought it was a headline. You know how sometimes they put these headlines out and they're not actually what the person said. I've had it happen to me. So I go to the page and I read the quote. So let's read it together. I'm not talking about any particular decision or even any particular series of decisions, but if over time the court loses all connection with the public and with public sentiment, that's a dangerous thing for a democracy. No, the headline was accurate. So I, you know, one of those moments, you know how it goes for me, head spins around. Does she not understand her job? All I learned from this is that she doesn't understand her job. She's not supposed to care. She's a Supreme Court justice. She's supposed to be issuing her rulings based on the law. She's not supposed to care about public sentiment. All this told me is that Elena Kagan decides how she's going to rule about something based on the way the wind is blowing that day. Oh, right now, these are the issues that matter to people. Well, then I should rule like this. Oh, in 10 years, now the tide has turned and people feel differently. Well, now I should rule like this. So it's not about the law. Again, these people don't live in the land of facts. They don't. They live in this subjective, kind of blurry, it kind of always looks like an impressionist painting. You know those paintings? You go into the museum from far away, it's like, oh, there's such clarity. You go up close and it just looks like a bunch of dots. You're like, what's going on? You feel like you're in some type of psychedelic something. They live in the land of make-believe. Like, this is utterly ridiculous. Also, she just told you how liberal Supreme Court justices think. When these people talk, listen. Listen to what they're saying. They are telling you what they're doing. Believe them the first time. Learn from it and remember it. This is that concept of a living and breathing constitution where nothing really means anything. This is that concept of, well, the law means, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's the whole thing. It goes into the gender debate. Oh, male, female, what's that? It's, you know, just sort of this floating identity. It's a feeling. It pervades Everything is what I'm saying to you. So just be on the lookout. And this is why it becomes really important to elect a president that can nominate these people. A lot of people voted for Trump. Again, not because they were so excited about Trump or, you know, maybe some of them were excited about Trump. But a lot of them were like, I have my reservations, but we need those Supreme Court justices that don't think like this, that aren't going to make their decisions based on the way the wind is blowing that day, that year, that minute. What a dangerous thing to say. And also, she said it public. She just, they have no shame. They're proud of that stance. They're not worried that you or I are going to come back and say, well, Elena, that's not your job. Sorry, but you're not a political commentator. You're not supposed to be looking at the mood of the country. That's not, you're not a pollster. You're, you're a Supreme Court justice. You know, if you can't do the job properly, you shouldn't be there. You should not have that enormous honor and responsibility Disgraceful, absolutely. So much so that I had to pause my discussion of Pat Benatar. Well, Pat- and, and who's who's public sentiment? The but, same well, people right. that never leave Washington. The same right. people that hang out in New York and California. And it, who's public sentiment? Well, I doubt she watches Fox News. So what? CNN, MSNBC. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> it's the public sentiment of people who agree with her politically. Right. That's all. Right. It's the news outlets that agree with her politically. It's like the 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 liberal enclaves throughout the country. That's why, you know, we had that conversation a few weeks ago about the Electoral College, and I know that can get weedsy, but, you know, that exists because you don't want New York and California and these liberal enclaves to make rules for the whole country. You have a whole beautiful, gorgeous, diverse, incredible country out there. These people aren't interested. They're not. They're interested in the way, you know, Los Angeles and New York City and Chicago and, you know, hate to say it, but even Miami, I would say. Miami's not. People say, oh, no, Florida's different. Mm, 
Miami. I don't know. And I also still think Florida is going to be closer than people realize. I do. I think Florida is still a really interesting place to vote. We'll see. We'll see if I'm wrong, if I'm right. But I think when it comes to a presidential election, Florida is going to be fascinating this next round, which is why I'm really excited to be here. For once, I get to vote and maybe the election doesn't get the results don't get called within three and a half seconds after I leave the poll. New York, it's like I vote. I'm all excited. It's like I'm the Democrat. I'm like, I'm not even home yet. I'm not even home yet. That's boring. So Elena, figure out uh, a different line of work. If this is your perception of what your job should be, that's not what you're there to do. And it's disgraceful that you said it with no shame. She should come out and say, oh my gosh, I I don't know. But no, because media won't hold her accountable for that. Nobody will hold her accountable for that. They'll be like, they they will agree. Oh good, we have someone in there that's easily manipulated by public opinion. Amazing, that's what we want. Forget the law. To hell with the law. That doesn't matter. Facts don't matter. We know that. What a bunch of maniacs! Well, and it's it's it, this ties in a little more to the uh, <clears throat> erasure of the electoral college, but it, the arrogance of people nowadays. The, the founding fathers were some of the most educated people of all time. They were so incredibly well read. They were so studied in history. They they knew so much. And the arrogance of today that oh well, we live in twenty twenty two, so automatically we're so right. much smarter than these people. These people knew more than you. In the Period, meantime, twenty. Story. In the they meantime, twenty twenty two. How much has fallen apart? Right. I mean, they know so much. In the meantime, everything's falling apart everywhere you look. I mean, it's just decay, rot, breakdown of the family, cities up in flames. I'll never forget that clip. Oh, I forget where it was. Maybe Tyler, you would remember where <laughs> CNN did. A, there was a clip about. I don't know if it was some protest or something, and he was like, "It's mostly peaceful," and it was like things were on fire. The, the summer of love. Yeah. That's where the mostly peaceful protests. Yeah, the building was on fire in the background. And he's on live TV again, you know, and uh, my friend Jesse Kelly, who we're going to try to get on here as well. uh, I just had an exchange with him. Hopefully he'll come on. He's fantastic and hilarious and apparently makes the best cheeseburger ever. I need a taste test, just going to say. But he always has this sky is green theory where they can convince you of anything. They wanted you to believe the building's on fire behind you. But don't worry. That's not. No. In the land of make believe, I'm telling you that it's peaceful. So as a result, you should believe that. I mean, this is this is the world we're living in. All right. Speaking of the insane, let's get to Pat Benatar. Now, I like some of Pat Benatar's music. I don't know if you do. I think she's very, very talented. Um, one of the songs that I love the most from her is Hit Me With Your Best Shot. People know it. Oftentimes, you'll go to those like retro parties or retro clubs. They play that. Everybody screams and yeah. You know, I, I was one of those people for sure. Many, many, many a night. Anyway, I see this headline from my friends at The Blaze. Pat Benatar says she won't perform Hit Me With Your Best Shot song out of deference to the victims of mass shootings. Hmm. I said, what? I mean, you know, I, my instinct immediately was to laugh hysterically, not at the idea of mass shootings. Mass shootings are a horrific tragedy. We don't want to laugh at that. People lose loved ones. It's despicable. It's horrible. It's a horrific tragedy. But she's going to stop singing that song, and she somehow thinks that's going to make a difference. What a, what, a, what a massively inflated sense of self-importance and also a twisted sense about what her own song's about. Anyway, this is, this is what it says. Benatar made the admission in an interview with USA Today while discussing why she chooses to cover other songs during her latest tour. And we're not doing Hit Me With Your Best Shot, and fans are having a heart attack, and I'm like, I'm sorry. In deference to the victims of the families of these mass shootings, I'm not singing it. It goes on. I tell them, if you want to hear the song, go home and listen to it. She then goes on to say the title is tongue-in-cheek, but you have to draw the line. If the title is tongue-in-cheek, what are you even talking about? What do you, you think that when people are at the bar 
dancing, a couple of drinks in, or maybe not a couple of drinks in, whatever, they're feeling good, and they're, hit me with you. You think they're thinking, oh, Pat Benatar, she is fanning the flames of mass shootings around the United States. No. This is a celebrity with a twisted mind, hate to say it, and an inflated sense of self-importance. These celebrities really crack me up. Not always the sharpest tacks in the drawer. Now, if you really are concerned about mass shootings, which we are, I think sane people around the country see this happening and say, okay, what do we do about it? No parent wants to sit and worry that their kid's going to go to school and be in danger in that. It's, it's horrifying. It's distressing. It's, it, it, can, it can induce panic, anxiety, all. But if you really care about that, then advocate for things that will actually fix the problem. Maybe when all of these red flags arise on a person, you see every single time there's a mass shooting, they get the gunman, they get the perpetrator, and then you all of this stuff unfolds about them. 60, red flags, the family knew X and Y behavior was going on. Friends at the school knew this was going on. There was this incident that happened two years before. There was this incident that had been reported to police, but nobody... Over and over and over again, you say, why at some point when red flag number 65 hit, why didn't anyone do anything about it? The system needs to be reformed. You want to you wanna really stop mass shootings? Stop worrying about what song you're singing at a concert that nobody equates with mass shootings and start advocating for the system to be fixed. You want to fix mass shootings? Get rid of the gun-free zones. I told you they are criminal magnet zones. Everybody knows that. Everyone with common sense knows that. You want, to, you want to fix the problem? You have to allow law-abiding citizens to be armed. You have to. Criminals need to know that when they arrive somewhere with their gun, they are going to face a gun, an armed, trained, law-abiding person who is going to attempt to stop them. So I'm tired. I'm tired of these celebrities that come out and this nonsense. It's like all of this virtue signaling. Then they go on Twitter. It's like, oh, what are they going to do to prevent mass? Oh, let's start a hashtag. Let's start a hashtag. That'll fix it. So they start some ridiculous hashtag and then they're all, it's like a way to like pat yourself on the back like you're doing something to help a situation and you're doing nothing. And in the same breath, oftentimes advocating for policies that make this stuff worse. In the same breath, you'll say, oh, I'm not going to sing Hit Me With Your Best Shot. I wouldn't be surprised if she's a big advocate for gun control. If she's a big advocate for get the guns out of every, I mean, I, that would not surprise me one bit. She's very liberal, so it would not be surprising to me. In fact, I don't know if you know this, Benatar previously penned, this is from The Blaze, a feminist anthem in order to protest the election of former President Donald Trump. These people are so predictable. You're so predictable. It's like nauseating. Just once, think outside the box. Don't toe the line with Hollywood at large because it's cool in your circle. Just have a mind of your own. Is that so hard? You want to fix the problem? Talk to me about how, how you're actually going to help fix the problem. Be a voice for that. Not for this. Can you imagine she thought that people in the club singing Hit Me With Your Best Shot are somehow equating, I mean, that song to mass shootings and that if she didn't sing it, she was somehow proactive in the cause. I mean, can you even make this shit up anymore? Real quick, uh, I want to give a shout out to Kyle Lopez, big fanboy. But no, all that's going through my head is like a Seth Rogen comedy where some guy's about to go shoot up a mall and he's got his AirPods in and all that's playing is Pat Benatar's. Like, it's, it's comedic. Like, give right. me a break. Right, exactly. Well, these people are like, you, you really, you have to at some point just laugh and, and disregard, right? You can't, if you're, if you're going to be this ridiculous, like, you just can't. You can, I mean, you can still have a seat at the table and say your piece, but come on, man. I mean, just, I don't even, I'm without words at some point, which is, you know, 
there was a, there was a CNN op-ed I read this morning <clears throat> that came out on Real Clear Politics, and it said, uh, "Good guy with a gun?" Question mark. The problem is all guns, and they were referring to the guy in Illinois, um, Indiana, the twenty-two-year-old yeah. in Indiana who stopped the mass shooter, and it said the mass shooter went in and he shot three people, injured more, and terrified others. But the good guy wasn't really a good guy because the mall didn't allow weapons and he ignored the ruling, but made no mention, no mention yeah. of the shooter that stormed in with a rifle. Yeah, oh, I actually... He'd listen to the, the no guns in the mall rule, right? I think that I, somebody had put in my timeline that I think my old friend, Sonny Hostin, we were friends before she decided she didn't like that I didn't get the vaccine. I don't know, man. But I think she had made that argument on The View. Something like, well, he broke the law. He And suddenly the focus came to the guy who was trying to prevent the pro... You know, I really... I'm, this is what I'm trying to say. People... And Austin... You know, one thing that there's... You know what? I would love to have somebody on here. Sometimes I, I think out loud on the show, guys. You have to forgive me for that. But it comes to me. I make a note. On the topic of guns, I mean, the media illiteracy is so profound. I mean, really. And I didn't, I grew up in New York City. I didn't grow up in a house where, like, the Second Amendment was like an active presence in our house where you were going out and shooting. You grew up in Texas, probably was a lot different for you. But when you see media illiteracy, it's amazing the things they say assault rifles. They don't know what they're talking about. I mean, do a little research before you take the mic. Just do a little research. I've never seen media personalities look dumber than when they talk about guns. And like I said, I didn't grow up with it, but I went. I do my research. I learn what I can. I ask experts. I admit that I'm not an expert, that I may make a mistake. I inquire. You know, have a curious mind. Don't embarrass yourself. They go on there talking like they're experts. They don't know what end is up or down. Then you see them. I don't know if you saw that ad of Gavin Newsom holding the gun. Dana Lash commented, she's a, an expert on guns, and she commented that was the most awkward thing I had ever seen. And I mean, it just looks like, like that, like he never held a gun before, and he was like, oh, this will make a great, I think it was Gavin Newsom, or was it? Uh, no, it was Gavin. The guy. It was Gavin. Oh, another one I think was Dr. Oz. Something came up with guns on him at one point. So just all I'm saying is just, you know, media, media, celebrities, honestly, just a little bit of research. Just a little bit of research wouldn't hurt. There it is. They're like, what is, what's going on there? What is going on there? He don't know what he's doing. Is that not the most awkward? I mean, people who, who train, I know I have a few fans on here that train people in fire. I mean, look what, look what you're seeing with a firearm there. And this stuff get, is dangerous, you know? I mean, if your message is that these guns are dangerous, maybe you should figure out how to pick one up before you go on video, Bright Spark. I really can. All right, speaking of the Bright Sparks and the crazy... This one caught my eye. I really can. <sighs> Heartland Daily. Gender activists pushed to bar anthropologists from identifying human remains as male or female. Okay, this is where we're at now. I'm telling you, you just slippery slope is like a slip and slide down. Do you see this now? This is where the gender debate going. It's now that the now the anthropologists can't do their job because it's offensive to somebody. I mean, do you really? Am I is this happening for real or am I in some type of alternate underworld where this is going on let's read shall we a new school of thought within archaeology is pushing scientists to think twice about assigning gender to ancient human remains can you I, I just can't even it is possible to determine whether a skeleton is from a biological male or female using objective observations of course it is of course it is based on the size and shape of bones criminal forensic detectives for example do it frequently in their line of work so is that next are the criminal forensic detectives not going to be able to properly identify human remains? Where is this going that, that works out in a beneficial way for society? This lack of facts and attention to facts. 
Gender activists argue scientists cannot know how an ancient individual identified themselves. Well, let me tell you, ancient individuals weren't thinking about stuff like this. They were thinking about survival. They were thinking about survival. They weren't sitting around the table hunting and gathering and saying, well, how do you identify? That is a conversation that happens among the privileged. Okay? Let's be real. This is, this, the article's too good. We're going to go on. University of Kansas Associate Professor Jennifer Raff suggested scientists cannot know the gender of a 9,000-year-old biologically Peruvian hunter because they don't know whether the hunter identified as male or female. A duality concept, she says, was imposed by Christian colonizers. I, I mean, she thinks, I mean, let's get this woman to sit here. She thinks that a 9,000-year-old Peruvian hunter was sitting around contemplating their gender identity. Can you make stuff up that's more batshit crazy than this? Please, I invite you. Put it in the chat. You got something crazier than this? Put it in the chat. I'll cover it. Now, what's interesting here, I found in the second page, there was a professor, Professor Elizabeth Weiss, and this is important to me. She weighed in, and she noted that applying biological sex to remains often helps dispel myths detrimental to women. This is interesting. Some early anthropologists sometimes mistook some robust female skeletons as male skeletons, particularly in these certain collections. This reinforced false stereotypes that females were not as hardworking as males. So all, I saw that and I said, again, you got women getting the short end of the stick in this situation. Because you can't call a man a man and a woman a woman, who seems to be suffering the most? These biological women. Now they can't even get proper credit for the way they lived, for the way they worked, for the, for the duties they performed successfully back X amount of years ago. Flat, fast forward to 2022 and people are taking their honors, woman of the year, taking their trophies, taking the privilege of, of breastfeeding, turn it into chest feeding, all this nonsense. Are you awake yet, ladies? Honestly, are you awake? I know you, you may be expecting somebody else to lead this charge, but it's going to be you. You, in this conversation, women are getting the short end of the stick over and over and over and over again. And there's a passivity that I see in women with respect to this. I don't know if you're afraid. I don't, I don't know what it is. It can't be, you can't be that worried about getting canceled. Everybody and their mother gets canceled. It's almost like a badge of honor now. If you don't get canceled, it just means you're not saying anything important. So wake up, speak up. You see this nonsense? I mean, this is where it's going. This is no longer, we can no longer act like this is just a live and let live discussion because the crazies are taking over, okay? And, and it's happening at high levels of the Biden administration. We did a video the other day of Rachel Levine talking about the puberty blockers and normalizing all of these things for children, okay? So this is a serious time. It requires serious, vocal people. Women lead the charge, if you don't, don't expect somebody else to and then suffer the consequences. You know, if you read the writing on the wall, we are headed towards a collapse. One of the things, I, I'm not a historian, but one of the things you hear about often is that before civilizations collapse, they become obsessed with sex, race, ethnicity, trans, just like, so Camille Pagalia, who, uh, I, I don't know if I'm saying her last name right. I think she's brilliant. I don't agree with everything she says, but very smart lady, gave a talk. Lesson from history, transgender mania is a sign of cultural collapse. She argues that from the Greeks to the Romans to now, that homosexuality, gender fluidity, etc., are what a culture ends up becoming right before its downfall. The downfall is brought on by cultures around 
that are more rigid in gender roles. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we, we are becoming so obsessed with this nonsense. It's like you said the other day, the military isn't prepared. We're not prepared. People aren't prepared. They don't know what's going on around them. They don't understand things. And it's, it really does feel like, like we're headed towards a collapse. The question I think really becomes, is it, an, is it intentional though? Because if it's not, in t I mean, you would have to be so profoundly inept. It's too organized. It's too, the message is, there's too much collusion, collusion in the messaging. Now we're talking about eating bugs and people are increasingly becoming more and more unhealthy. It's at every level of society. And we've been covering every aspect of that, whether it's the COVID mania and having people not look at each other in the eye anymore, whether it's eating bugs, whether it's, you know, you're a racist, you're a homophobe, you're a bigot without even having a conversation with somebody anymore, a woke military, you add all this together. It looks like there's a strategy here is all I'm saying. I'm, and again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but if you wanted to, I ask you again, and I'm going to ask you over and over again, if you wanted to actively destroy a country, what would you do differently? Not much. So if you are invested in this country, if you're invested and in, if you want a healthy, happy, safe family, if you're invested in your own health, if you're invested in your children's education, if you're invested in a common and shared humanity and respectful discourse, if you're invested in facts and you want things like male and female to not become, you know, subjective floating clouds in the sky, speak up. It's now or never. Speak up. Talk to, get into, you know, little groups in your community. Have those discussions. You are an empowered citizen. You don't have to lie down and take all this. Speaking of lying down and taking a bunch of nonsense, I noticed this. I don't cover COVID a lot right now because honestly, I just, my stomach turns. But I have to every now and then remind you of a few things. Alabama Public Health puts out this tweet. It's got a video attached to. I love a good video. I love a complimentary video. You know that. It says, when in doubt, it's always better to be safe than sorry. Let's normalize masking and protect our community now you may be thinking that this was from you know four years ago tyler you see the date on that can you see uh when that tweet was you just let us know two days ago two days ago two days ago they're still doing this let's play the video does it have audio I don't know. Does it have audio? Guys? I don't know if it has audio. I'm not sure. It doesn't even matter. We don't even need it. Don't even worry about it. You see what's going on here. You got N95, N95 mask, mask outside, cloth mask. Okay, we get it. We get what's going on here. <sighs> it's 2022, people. It's 2022. You see what's going on here, though? And I'm, the reason I'm covering this is because it's coming around again. It's coming around again. The crazy is coming around again. And when I said that to my husband last night, he said, it's not crazy. It's evil. He's right. It's in, a lot of this is intentional. I just want to very quickly tell you, masking stats aside about how all of that didn't work, stats about cloth masks and how that was ineffective, about how people were wearing the masks wrong, too big, you know, you've got a mask on, but your nose is hanging out or there's breath coming in and out of the sides. Stats on how you need to be fitted properly for an N95 in order for it to be effective. You take all of that out and just look at this, uh, this desire to normalize a covered face. Talk about the demise and decline of society. That's another thing that they've done. Cover your face. I mean, that is not the way a functional society works. It can't. A functional society cannot work that way because you need to connect with people. You need to have empathy. 
you need to have, you need to listen, you need to pay attention. Not to mention, have we not learned enough about how these masks were damaging to children in school settings? Have we not learned enough about how the developmental delays have happened? I mean, this is what I'm saying to you. Do they want a population that's sickly, that's detached from one another, and that's terrified? The answer is yes. All of the signs are there. You just need to connect the dots at this point and get to the conclusion. There would be no motivation for doing this, none at this point, when we have stats that prove that this is not the way to go unless they're gearing you up to be controlled in round two. They're like, oh, look what we got away with in round one. Let's just have another one of these roll around. I know that you saw that Biden got the COVID. I call it the COVID. He got COVID. Four shots deep. Four shots deep. And listen, I want him to, I want him to get better. I don't wish harm on anybody. Four shots deep. This guy got COVID anyway, and he was trying to get you fired for not getting the shot because on the basis that that shot was going to prevent you from getting somebody else sick. I mean, listen, there's an evilness to all this that you must not forget. Round two is coming. Be prepared. See the agenda. Do me a favor. Connect the dots. Look at the research yourself on masks. Connect the dots for yourself and for your family and stop being so compliant. Okay? There's a sick, twisted agenda going on here. Peel the layers is all I'm asking. All right. So speaking of hypocrites like Biden. Oh, yeah, do this. Hypocrites. Daily Mail. This is great. This is great. And I love this topic because the next wave that's coming of how do we control the population is coming under the bracket of climate change. Okay. And I'm hoping to have this conversation on here with Glenn Beck, who's a leader in this and talking some really great stuff about what's going on with climate change and what the agenda really is when it comes to control uh, over individual freedom. But what's interesting to me is the hypocrisy again. And I focus on celebrities a lot because the reality is that they have big microphones and they come out and they say big things and people believe them and people buy into this nonsense and they don't live their lives accordingly. So what I'm trying to get people to do is to ignore them. Ignore them. Check this out. Daily Mail. The eco-hypocrite jet set. I love it. Stars such as Mark Wahlberg, Jay-Z, and Steven Spielberg lecture us about saving the planet, then use their private jets for flights that take just minutes instead of driving. Okay? Interesting. One website has exposed the eco-hypocrites for their not-so-green credentials. The Twitter handle, at CelebJets, which I had never heard of, but I know of now, chronicled their journeys over the last few months with many trips lasting less than 30 minutes from lift off to landing, less than 30 minutes on the airplane. Okay, it gets better. Wahlberg's plane took flight for just nine minutes as it jetted across LA, while Spielberg clocked in at a staggering 17 minutes. That's a long flight, 17. Wow, what did you expect him to do? Stop it. It comes after the social media page outed Kylie Jenner. Oh, for a 12-minute flight across California, 12 minutes, 12 minutes, which saw her branded a climate criminal by furious eco-warriors. Meanwhile, her sister Courtney faced a huge backlash by fans for posting about carbon emissions in February. Now, does this sound familiar to you? Remember we covered uh, Kim Kardashian and Courtney telling you to eat the fake meat? Eat the fake meat, the environment, climate, the environment, naked, you know, me, billions. Then they hop on their jet. What a bunch of phonies, man. What a bunch of phonies these people are. Interesting some stats about what these flights do, because, you know, when it comes to carbon emissions, you may not be familiar with 
what the difference is between getting in your car and getting in one of these planes. This was interesting to me. Steven Spielberg took this 17-minute flight on June 29th. His 28-mile trip from Amsterdam Airport to Rotterdam Airport would have taken him just 36 minutes by car, okay? Just so spoiled. So spoiled. According to Celebrity Jets, the flight used 145 gallons of jet fuel. Can you imagine? Cost him $1,011 for the fuel and resulted in two tons of CO2 emissions. Two tons of CO2 emissions. Now, you might say, well, how does he feel about global warming? Well, that's an interesting question that you ask me. Speaking about his new movie, Ready Player One in 2018, Spielberg said this, I'm terrified of global warming. Global warming is a scientific reality. It's not a political trick. It's a true piece of real, measurable, quantifiable science. So, okay. These people get on television and they tell you what to do. They tell you, oh, you, you, need, to, you need to stop eating that grass-fed, grass-finished beef and instead eat this crap that has 75 ingredients that I can't even pronounce because, you know, the environment, global warming. And then they hop in a jet and do that. So are you done listening yet? Are you done listening? Please, in the chat, how does this stuff strike you when celebrities do this? Tell me. I want to know. And the list goes on and on. Rapper Drake, Beyonce and Jay-Z. There was another article that talked about Kylie Jenner. I think she had taken at one point a flight that was three minutes. I mean, like, why? What what is the issue, really? You know, I don't even understand here. Look, three-minute long flights. And it's interesting if you look at that article, actually. I wasn't going to do this one, but thank you for reminding me, Tyler. You look at the comments. There's some beautiful stuff going on there. Just vibes here. It says, Kylie Jenner out here picking which color private jet she want to take today. Meanwhile, I got to chug my iced coffee before my straw becomes paper mache. Because, you know, they like the paper straws. You ever use a paper straw? Now, listen, I do have an alternative straw that I like because I don't like the plastic because, you know, it leaches. It's a separate conversation. But they want you to use those, those cardboard straws. You're drinking it. Everything's cool for the first couple of minutes. Then suddenly it's like the, 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 the drink's not coming through. It's all pressed together and nasty. You're eating all that. Ooh, I'm swallowing it. She, you know, that she wants you to do. But she can't get in the car for 15 minutes. She's got to get on the plane. You know why she wants a photo op? You saw the picture she posted on her Instagram of her and Travis. And it's like, which, which ride should we take or something? It's like plane here and plane there. Ostentatious in there. And there, you know, wealth, which is fine. You made great. Listen, you made a lot of money. We get it. More power to you. It's not my money. It's your money. More power to you. Stop telling other people to live like rats, right? With their paper straws and their like meat that has zero nutrient density or their bugs. I wonder, did she eat some bugs on the flight? It's three minutes. You could down some caterpillar. Did she eat bugs? Did she take some daring? Did Courtney bring over some daring meat and they just popped it in the microwave? And this a woman commented on that on the IG account as well. Why do I have to limit my meat consumption and use paper straws when the 1% gets to pump tons of carbon into the atmosphere for a day trip to Palm Springs? So I loved the comments uh, because people are starting to wake up, you know, because it was one thing when you were just doing your thing and you were a hypocrite. But now it's like you're telling other people to do stuff that's bad for them. 
that's going to harm them, that's going to hurt them, that's not good for them, that makes them live, makes their quality of life go down, and you're just living it up. You know what? You get pissed enough? I have an idea. Stop watching the Kardashians. First of all, the show sucks. I love reality TV, okay? I'm going to say it again. I loved Naked and Afraid, awesome show, Survivor, Fear Factor. I even love the Netflix shows. Uh, I love The Love is Blind. I'll even tune into The Bachelor. That shit is funny. We're going to get into some of that on one show. I got to break down this season. It's too much. Two girls compete for the same guys. Whoo! There's going to be some spice. I love reality TV. The Kardashians suck. The show sucks. It's boring. It's really, really, really painfully boring. It's not reality TV. It's pretty obvious. It's all stage. Everybody's all made up. You want to watch some reality TV? Go back to the Jersey Shore in the beginning. That was cool. Now I don't even think that's real anymore. I got to ask my friend Vinny. He's probably not going to tell me the truth. But it's boring. You want to send a message? Don't buy like six pounds of her cosmetic line. Or don't, you know, you're tired of these celebrities doing this shit. Just tune them out. Be like, yeah, I'm not buying your shit anymore. I'm tired of this shit. That's how you make your message heard. Your purchasing power. Don't turn on, don't sit, watch the Kardashians be lining your eyes with her eyeliner and be like, oh, this bitch, she lies to me. She'll keep lying, cashing in, and guess what? Maybe next year she'll get a second private jet, which was like, I don't know how many, $70 million or something she paid for it, while she tells you to eat, you know, I don't know what's next, ladybugs, roasted, add a little soy sauce, you won't know the difference. <laughs> okay. Have you, seen, um, have you seen The Dark Knight Rises? Yes. The Batman movie with Bane? Yeah. Do you remember the scene where they're at the party <clears throat> and Anne Hathaway has her mask on and it's all the rich people and the higher ups and she says something along the lines of the revolution is coming that you can't basically you can't have your cake and eat it too that you think people think this can go on that you can be so far above everybody else and this mm-hmm. can will continue. This is all I think of. Yeah. You know, like this is exactly it, this is so pompous and arrogant. I mean, they what, what have they done? They they Kylie Jenner didn't make her money her mother made her her money well remember tyler when the articles came out no 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 and it said that she was self-made i almost died self-made not to say she doesn't listen i'm sure she's at the lab looking at the colors and whatever she's doing self-made do you remember when that came out i took some heat for that commentary but i was like listen i'm sorry that's not self-made doll you grew up into a rich family with a rich sister who spread her legs for the cam. We all know why Kim's famous. Let's not lie. That's how it happened. Spread the legs. People watched the video. And then suddenly she was like the next Paris Hilton only blown up even more. Okay. There's a lot of surgery going on there. There's a lot of stuff going on there to accentuate this or that. To look cartoonish at this point. Not a good message for young girls. I'll say that again. It's not. It's not a good message for young girls. Well, And let's not forget before she got all. This is what she used to look like she used to be a totally different person that's correct completely when, when the different started, person even people can go back to the season one of the kardashians and look at what they actually looked like and it's like and listen i'm not saying this from the perspective of trying to tell you what to do again i am freedom through and through you want to even that that person that distorted their image to look like a cat you want to do that you want to spend your money doing that you want to fill this and plump that and do it do whatever you want. I don't care. But let's not let's not pretend. Okay. <laughs> let's not pretend that we don't see what we see. So a big part of their brand is just fake. Through and through. So why do I believe their reality television is real? I don't. I don't. 
Okay. And why do I believe that their message about, you know, climate change and the environment is real? Well, I don't because they're showing me in their actions. It just, there's a lot of just, if you're going to do reality TV, do it right. There's a lot of fake running through the Kardashians, top to bottom. Again, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you can't do what you want to do. Look, they did all that and, and people bought it. They have the followers they have. They have the audience that they have. People bought it. So business-wise, it was a strategy, and it was a successful one business-wise. But there's more to life than making money. There's a lot of young girls looking at those, thinking that, that that's an attainable... What I mean, there are women that go in now, young girls that go into... I'll never forget, I went to a dermatologist, and I was looking to do a treatment at the time called Clear and Brilliant. I didn't do it. Freak me out. It was like a laser treatment. I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm very like holistic about stuff. I told you guys, I'm very honest with you. I don't do the Botox. I don't do those. I do do facials. I have my own thing. Anyway, I went in, I talked to this guy and he was like, oh, a laser. And I said, you know, do you have people coming in here showing you? I was at the time writing a book called Hashtag Do Not Disturb. Where heavy, heavy emphasis was on what was going on on Instagram as it related particularly to young women. I said, do you have people coming in here saying, you know, I want to look like this? He said, I have two things going on. He said, I have people coming in here showing me girls, young girls, showing me filtered images saying this is what I want to look like. And I have to explain to them that that's not a real person and that that's not attainable. That's a filter. That's not real. Okay. And he said, the second thing is I have people coming in that want the Kardashian face. They just want, they say, I want this face and they want a duplicate, which is sad. Like your face is yours. Like own that. I'm not saying you can't, you know put some makeup on, do something. I'm not saying that, but it's your face. Don't ask for, even if you wanted to make an improvement in your own face, don't ask for somebody else's face. Don't do that to yourself. You've got your own beauty. You've got your own dignity. You bring something to the table that she doesn't because you're you. I know that sounds cliche, but that has to hit young girls. And I, I'm not saying young boys aren't. You know, young boys a lot of times see some. It's different though for young boys. I think oftentimes young boys see these fitness models. It's not the same thing as like the stuffed and plumped and mm, everybody's lips just look like a bee stung them twice on the way home now. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's fake, right? So acknowledge it, own it. Don't try to come off like you're real when you got all the, come on, man. Like, just don't. In the same way that don't try to tell everybody else to eat bugs while you're sitting in your private jet. It's just bad form. All right. I got to get to these videos. This is a video that really interested me. As you guys know, I love to work out. I love the gym. It's my stress release. Uh, it's, it makes me feel good. I get the endorphins, all that stuff. So I see this video about a girl in the gym <laughs> deadlifting. And it's pretty fantastic. Pay attention when you watch the video to the guys' faces in the background. Let's go. She repped it. She repped it. That's a lot of weight. Look at his face. He doesn't know what to do. He's like, what? Oh. Okay. So that's first of all, more power to her. That is awesome. That is extremely heavy, girlfriend. You got some strong legs and you got some strong buns is all I'm going to say. That is way cool. I love the expressions on the guys' faces. And it's, listen, I would be the same way. I would be sitting there like, 
what is going on there? Like, how is she lifting that up? I take pride in my fitness. I can't lift that. I cannot lift that. And I know it's probably a lot of hard work and a lot of practice and a lot of effort and a lot of gym sessions that went into that. But man, you know what's interesting too about that? She doesn't even look that bulky to me. So that's just, that goes to show you too, that conversation we had the other day about people who know how to fight and sometimes surprise you. They're like this big and skinny and they kick the ass of someone who's like tall and you'd never know who's, who's packing some strength. That was very impressive. So I think a good conversation can be had here. I thought of two things. One, guys out there, I would love for you to weigh in on this. Are you intimidated by a woman in the gym who can do that? Are you intimidated by a woman in the gym who can lift more than you? And two, do you find it attractive? So Tyler, you're the guy in the room. You got the mic. First of all, would that intimidate you? No, res- respect. 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 Okay. Now that's that's important, but do you find it, let's say um, your girlfriend could do that or you were single and dating, would you find that sexually, like, a, oh, that's a hot girl, I would go out with her or does it, does something happen in that? Like, what do you think? No, I think it's very much on body type. Like, that doesn't bother me, but if some chick is, like, visibly bulky, I'm not down for that, but, like, a six with a chick with a six-pack, right on. Awesome. All about it. All about it. I think I think it shows a lot to women that take care of their physical fitness, probably take care of themselves everywhere else. They probably take care of themselves emotionally. They mm-hmm. probably take a lot of self-care. They probably got their stuff together. Brings it's, us back to the conversation about the feet. Just going to say. Right. It, right. It, you know, it's interesting, that answer. I asked my husband the same questions, and he had almost the same answer. Yeah. He said, it's badass. It's awesome. One interesting point he brought up, he said, it wouldn't be he wouldn't be intimidated by it at all. He also said that the bulky is not his thing, but she doesn't look bulky. She looks great. Um, the one thing he said is he thought, guys, because this is a leg strength thing, he feels like maybe it would be different the way men would perceive it. Like if she walked in there and she could do more pull-ups or bench more than a guy, a guy might feel differently about that than if she was like, doing leg stuff because we all know girls go into the gym and a lot of times focus on legs. We talked about that too. It's easier for us. So I wonder guys out there too, it would it be different. Like if she walked in and did that, does that leave you with a different feeling than if she walked in and like you hit the ground and she did like twice the amount of pushups that you could do. Is that different? You think if, if a woman comes in looking like this, yeah, that's too much. That's too much for you. Yes. It's where it's the arms that it becomes an issue. It's yeah. the arms and the, the, the big core. Is that because that then to you looks masculine? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's like, it's like we said the other day. Men work their top halves. Right. Women work their lower halves. Because there's interestingly, there's two body types that I've noticed are emerging in the female like fitness influencer world. Um, there's that body type that you just showed, which is, you know, she's, she's strong, but there is a little bit of bulk to it. She knows that. And maybe that's the look she's going for, bodybuilder. You know, you've got to have some bulk. And then there's the very wiry look I see where it's like skinny, like, but very, like super toned, like no body fat. The challenge that I find with that look is that women, and I even know for myself, when I get 
very lean. I women kind of lose the softness, you know. You need a little bit of that. I feel like for my taste, and everybody's going to be different. Some guys might feel completely differently, and they might like that bodybuilder look. More power to you. But for me, I feel that the majority of men that I interact with, that I talk with, like a little bit of that softness. Like if there's nothing to squeeze, I call it the squeezies. Okay, I can't show you. I don't have a dress on today, but there's some squeezies going on that women get. Men like that stuff, like a little bit of a little bit of chunk. I'm just saying. A little bit of something that makes, I don't know if it if it's estrogen or something, it's just, it's just something that makes it soft and feminine. That's where I think the line happens. However, I am pleased to hear, Tyler, that you would not be intimidated. Well, like, that so that thing. chick, I'm yeah. trying to find, I follow this girl on Instagram. Uh, she started a company called Mini Beast. And look at the difference between her and the other chick. Her lower half is massive. Right. Her legs are huge the legs legs yeah but her she doesn't have a masculine top half she doesn't have the broad shoulders she doesn't have right. arms that could you know bench more than i could like that's where it's a little bit intimidating and like i'm not really down for that lower no, half no one she can deck you <laughs> yeah like she's gonna deck you in two seconds that's not you're, i don't know if you're down for that <laughs> i love it but yeah it is different and interesting. So people weigh in at home, too. I'd love to hear. If you hear, if you get anything, uh, Tyler, from the chat that's interesting on any of this, just feel free to shout it out. Because um, I'm interested. The guy saying anything about this? A lot of people said uh, uh, not intimidated at all. Um, she didn't have muscles. Um, let's see here. I find it attractive when a girl lifts. A little thickness is necessary. Okay. They just need to work on the butt. No soft. So, like, it's kind of similar. It's similar, yeah. Lower half stuff. Right, right, lower half stuff. Yeah, it is true. Women do, you know, focus on lower half. Booty, you know, age of the booty, like I always say. All right, this is a good video, too, I want to talk about. Um, it takes two to tango. I think this is a really important conversation. I was on SauceCast yesterday uh, with Adam and an interesting panel. We had some great discussions about dating and relationships and women who want kids and women who don't want kids and how they'll feel in 20 years. And I thought this was an interesting TikTok that got a lot of play on this very topic. And I want to get your take on it. I'm going to let it play in full. I think it's important. Uh, very, very important conversation. Then we'll talk about it. My body belongs to a man I haven't even met. Yeah, okay. Here's the thing. She's 100% correct. I don't want children. I've been saying that for 10 years now, and I have PCOS, so my reproductive system tries to kill me once a month. Or more. Giving birth and having a child is my literal worst nightmare, and my doctors know that. They're fully aware of the fact that I want nothing to do with having a child out of my body. If you do, great, good for you. And you know what option has never been brought up to me even though I'm on two forms of birth control at the moment? Tying my tubes. And the reason I'm given every time is, what if your husband wants children? Look, last I checked from sex ed, it takes two to tango. And <laughs> I love it. One okay. Of those two so she's brave. I, I kind of love her feistiness and her attitude. She looks very young to me. I don't know how old she is, but she looks young. Um, so I'm guessing, I didn't read the comments on this one. I'm guessing you're going to have people saying you might change your mind. So this is an important message, though, that I think needs to be heard. We, there are women in this world who don't want kids. They don't feel that calling. They feel called to other things. Now, oftentimes it's not because they don't have any maternal instinct. Like those sometimes make amazing aunts, amazing, um, you know, will um, amazing like figures in other young girls' lives, amazing teachers around children. 
Um, oftentimes they have pets that they, you always like, oh, you're holding that little dog like a baby. Like, you know, so it's not a reflection sometimes of not having a maternal instinct. It's, it's a lifestyle decision. It's a lifestyle choice. And not everybody has a pull toward being a mom. And that has to be okay. You know, I had, I had Hartley late. I had Hartley when I was, um, gosh, he's so, I'm 43 and he's two and a half. So there you go. Had him late. I was pregnant late. And I went through so much of my life getting hounded, like constant, like, do you want kids? Well, you better hurry up. Your eggs are going to dry up. Oh, oh, well, you, you know, and I would always say, I, I don't think so. Like, I really don't feel like I'm being pulled toward that. It was constant, constant, constant hounding. You got to leave these women alone. They're on their own journey, right? Not everybody's on the same journey. Not everybody's on the same journey. Just let them figure it out. Now, of course, could she change her mind one day? Like, say she goes, she gets her tubes tied. She has PCOS. That's I don't know if you know what that is, but it's it's not easy to deal with. It's a it's a disorder and it affects. They oftentimes you have to be on birth control pills or something else, or you know, if you go a holistic route, there's ways to address it. But it's very complicated and it involves a lot of pain and discomfort, and oftentimes a very challenging pregnancy if it can happen at all. People should do some research on that just to understand where she's coming from. Um, but. She may change her mind, right? So when she walks into a doctor's office, somebody, a doctor has a responsibility to say, listen, you make this decision, it's final. So be sure, but it's ultimately her body. And I, what drives me crazy about this discussion is the pressure and the assumption that everyone should have children. Not everyone should have children. Now, look, for me, it worked out differently. I met somebody. I changed how I felt about it. I was never going to get my tubes tied. I was always open. I was open. Even though I didn't think it was for me, I was open. And now it's like I'm mom above all else. So people can change their minds. They can meet a partner, feel differently, all of that. These are her mistakes to make. But I will tell you that when you have a woman out there who says she doesn't want kids and all you do is hound her over and over again, it's going to make her be on like she's going to resist even more. She's going to play that devil's advocate. She's going to push back even more because it's you're bothering her. Let her figure it out for herself. It's okay to choose a different way of life. And maybe, look, I said yesterday on SauceCast, I said, I think that women who get to the age of like, you may feel this way young, she's very young, you get to the age of 50 and you decided not to marry and only focus on career and you decided you know, not to have kids. I do think that a lot of those women wind up feeling like, like something's missing. Not all though. Some of them are really happy not having kids. Some of them look at their friends who have kids and don't want that lifestyle. Some of them don't want it at different stages of life. Of course, there's a biological clock with women and there's, you know, eggs and all this involved that men don't have to think about in the same way, but you're not going to get somebody to change their mind. This is the memo. You're not going to get somebody to change their mind by harassing them about it. That's where she is today on kids. That's how she feels. There's tons of women who feel like that. Let them be. Let them do their thing. Let them figure it out. Some of them will change their minds. Some of them won't. And if they don't, they're not meant to be a parent. Last thing you need is a a woman having a baby and being angry about it and resentful about it. That helps no one, especially that kid. So remember that in this debate. That takes me to a very important segue. A couple, actually. So I, I saw an article in the Daily Mail, and it said, I don't hate my son. I just hate being a mother. Now, I have a son. This immediately, like, struck my interest. Read through the whole article, and it's about, it says there, women who regret having children reveal how they feel trapped, count the hours until bedtime, and have a soul craving for a quiet life. 
I read that and I was a little skeptical. Truthfully, I don't know anyone. I don't know anyone who's had children, any woman who's had children and regrets it. I know a lot of women that have children and say, have days where they're like, oh my gosh, it's so hard. I'm exhausted. My body's different. Like I go to the gym. I don't know. This loose skin never went away. Like, am I ever going to sleep again? Like I know they, all of that. You, you, there's a venting that happens absolutely there's a there's a desire for quiet every now of course but if you ask those same women would you do it again every single one of them I know says oh my god in a heartbeat like I like they look at their child and they're just overcome with joy that's my experience now I'm not saying these people don't exist though they do exist they're here they're giving you quotes so I looked into this and I think this is an important conversation to have There's a Facebook group and it's called I Regret Having Children, apparently, where women voice these complaints and these concerns. I guess they feel like they have some sense of mutual support where they can go and not and kind of have like a judgment free zone to express what many would frown upon. Many would frown upon this opinion. It's it's here. There's a YouGov poll in 2021 that found that one in 12 Brits, some 8% of parents wish they hadn't had kids. Okay, so that's the number we're talking about here when it comes to the survey. Now, I dug into this, and I was like, well, why? Something else is going on here. Something else is going on here. And what you find when you read this article, and I think what you would find if you actually address this in real life, are things like this. I have a partner. I can't stand him anymore, but I can't be a single mom. I can't be alone with my son. It's just hard. Thank you for reading. That is not an issue with your child. That is that you've got the wrong partner. You're in that situation. You've got a partner that's absent. You feel alone. It's overwhelming. You're exhausted. That's what's going on there. That's that's not the same thing as oh, I'm not you know meant to be a mother. Okay, you got to know that. There's a lot of women in here who talk about postpartum depression, and they say that I'm going through postpartum depression. It's been months. It's been years. Postpartum depression is a serious condition that some women face. You know, you, 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 I can tell you, like, I didn't have postpartum depression, but I had hormones that were like this, going crazy. I had a little bit of anxiety at one point after I stopped nursing. You're in hormonal upheaval when you have a baby. Postpartum depression is serious. You know, it needs to be addressed medically, you know, in, in some way or another, holistically, therapy, talked through. Some people go the route of drugs. It needs to be addressed, right? So that's going on for a lot of these women. That's not just someone saying, I don't love my baby, I don't want my baby. They're going through something clinical that's going on. Other people's quotes said, after two years, I realized the only reason I hate being a parent is because of my child's father. Again, that's your partner. They've got the wrong partner in the game. Another one said, was talking about... Um, finances in here. So I think there's there's several reasons why women might feel this way. I think one of them comes down to finances, right? You have a kid. If you don't have the financial support in that household that you need, meaning you have a partner that can do it with you, if you're a single mom, things can get very overwhelming very, very quickly. And suddenly, you can't afford anything. There's no greater stress other than health stress and your own health or the health of someone you love. There's no greater stress than money stress, right? That comes into play. Everything's thrown into upheaval. I think having a deadbeat partner is the key here. Every, like, almost every quote was like, my partner, my partner, my partner. You need to be a partner in a relationship. And I got into this a little bit with Saucecast yesterday as well because there's this idea there's this idea in some of these spheres, the, the hyper-feminist zone, the hyper-manosphere zone of like, well, women and men have roles. And that's not how a healthy relationship works. A healthy relationship is a partnership, meaning 
I sometimes have Hartley for, you know, four, five, six hours. My husband's got back-to-back meetings. He's doing his work. I take Hartley to the playground. I take care of him. Then at night, I have a couple of meetings. I have some work to do. So dad will take him and they'll go to the play place and have some fun and go grab a bite to eat. That's a partnership. Sometimes I'm cooking dinner. Sometimes Jeremy's cooking dinner. Sometimes I'm changing the, the laundry from the wash to the dryer. Sometimes he is. Sometimes I have a full work day with meetings. Sometimes he has a full day, work day with meetings. That's what makes the machine run. It has to feel like you're not alone. And sometimes these like, well, women should do this and men should do this. It's not only limiting, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work because that's not what life looks like in 2022. Everyone's kind of doing everything. Everyone's busy doing everything. Kids have a ton of activity. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. So when you don't have a partner, someone that you can say, hey, can you do that? Without, oh, well, that's, you know, that's a man's role. Or that's, a, that's a bullshit. That is bullshit. Figure out what works for your house. The best situation you can have in your house is a partner in everything. And I feel blessed and lucky that I have that, but make it happen in your house. You love each other, make it happen. The postpartum depression we talked about, um, all of that. So I, I don't think this is a, 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 an epidemic of women who, you know, have their baby. And I think there's stuff, real issues going on, not related to being a mom, but outside stressors that are playing a role in this. There was another article I want to touch on here related to that. It said moms who went through COVID breakups say solo parenting is much easier. Rolled my eyes, rolled my eyes, okay? First of all, I want to know who, who said this and what their finances look like. Did they break up with their partner because during the pandemic, you know, we were all home, right? So you realized, okay, this person drives me crazy 24 hours a day in my face. You know, there were moments like that. Everybody had them. Everybody had them. So did they break up with their partner and then they had enough money that they went and hired a nanny that came and basically stands in for their partner doing like all that extra stuff and money wasn't an issue so they didn't need financial help? What's going on there? This is a very dangerous message to send out there. There are women, oftentimes it's women, although there are single dads too. We have to acknowledge that. There are dads that are single out there doing an incredible job. There are people that find them themselves in less than ideal circumstances. It happens. There are deaths involved. Horrible, but it happens. There are separations. There's betrayals that happen. There are things that happen that force couples to separate, and you have single parents. Sometimes there's a, a substance abuse issue, a, a, a violence issue. I mean, there's many things that go on that force someone to have to raise a child alone. That's not ideal. That's not to be championed. That's not easy. You, when you lose a, a body, when you lose uh, an income, when you lose a pair of arms, when you lose a support system, your life gets harder. Now, maybe these are people that have an extended family where and can, you know, great finances and for whatever reason, they inherited a bunch of money and they got, you know, two au pairs in the house. I mean, I don't know what their situation is, but this is not the norm. And I certainly don't want to see a message going out to people like, oh, don't worry. You and your husband didn't get along during the pandemic when you were in each other's faces all day. You can do it alone and be happier. It's way easier. Again, that's a very privileged statement that is really unfair to the reality of what a lot of single parents face. And even though single parents, just, you know, let me say this, they find themselves in a situation that's not ideal. They do, many of them do an incredible job, do the very, very best they can to raise amazing children. So credit to you all who find yourself in that position. But you know it's not ideal. 
and you know it was hard, and you know it was a struggle, and you know resources sometimes maybe were tight for the average person, and you know that it wasn't always easy to find help, and maybe your mom and dad moved closer to you, whatever it may have been, stop glorifying this stuff and making it like, oh, this reminds me of the, you don't need a man. You don't need a man. You can do it. Just go to, remember that video the other day? Go to the sperm bank. Just go to the sperm bank. You don't need a man. Right, because kids don't need fathers because fathers don't play an integral role in a house. That girl's going to, let me tell you, she decides to do that. Oh, I'm just going to have a baby. I'm just going to go to the sperm bank. Unless she's sitting on a wad of cash and, you know, a family that can fill a farm, she better be prepared. Even when, in my house, my kid gets sick, you know, gets a cold, whatever, that is an extremely challenging circumstance if you don't have somebody else in the house. You know, hey, Jeremy, can you take him for two seconds? I want to do that. Hey, we go to a doctor's appointment. You're sharing in all those experiences. You also have somebody to bounce off of when you get nervous. Oh, Hartley runs a fever. I'm like, oh, I, I start to panic. You know, my husband's very measured and very calm in almost any situation. That balance is so important. Don't take away the, from the hardships. These people who find themselves in these situations struggle and, and, and survive and come out on top and raise amazing children oftentimes. Don't, don't demean their struggle by saying, oh, it's easier to just do it yourself. What a privileged, ridiculous thing to say. Ridiculous. All right. I'm going to close with something today that I love. Um, great message and really, really funny. So this woman got a job rejection. She applied for a job. They told her she didn't get the job. You'll see it. And then she sends something back that gets her a second interview, and it is awesome. I just woke up. But I got, you know, another rejection letter from a job that I applied for, and I really kind of wanted this job. So I took a lesson from Gen Z, and I sent them back this. <laughs> Why, though? <laughs> anyway, it worked. They sent me another email saying that they do, in fact, now want to interview me. <laughs> How awesome that. is that? I mean, first of all, well done, well played, amazing. And secondly, like, are you surprised? I wasn't surprised. Like, if I were hiring, I just hired someone, actually, to, who is great, has a great personality, made me laugh. Um, very, very funny guy. Great family man. Um, but sense of humor, super important. You know, they might have looked at that and said, wait a minute, this seems like a really fun person to have on our team. Like, didn't just say, okay, thanks, boring. Sent that back, had a little mojo in her step, you know, was like, wasn't, wasn't afraid to send it. You know, not shy. Probably somebody's going to be outspoken on the job, which is what you want. Someone with a sense of humor, someone who stands out, someone who's, you, you people want to work with someone fun, right? They don't want to work with somebody who's like got no sense of humor and it's always, they want to work with someone fun who would do that. And I always say this, so that's my advice. When you write your cover letters, oh God, you ever read a cover letter that's just like, I mean, I, I get it. Like you went to this school and you like, I don't know, like sold this amount of this stock or like, I, I mean, I've fallen asleep like three times in the course of reading that. Make it interesting. Best cover letter I ever read was like a story. Somebody actually told a story about like how they grew up and like how their life now is different, but it read like short story almost amazing like hold somebody's interest do don't be afraid to do some something like that you know it's not going to work every time maybe you're applying for for a job with somebody who's got no sense of humor you're out of luck but maybe that wasn't the right job for you then because you're going to go there and be cracking jokes all day long and they're going to be like mm, stone cold you know boring you know that's not the right fit 
So don't be afraid to put your personality out there and make it a little fun, make it a little spicy like that. That was, I loved it. It was amazing. All right, Tyler, anything in the chat that we want to acknowledge? My chat's not up, guys. I'm sorry. My chat's not up. Just a shout out to the regulars, Wyatt, John, Alan, Robert. Um, let's see. I'm looking for something good in here. Abby said, thank you, Jed. Parenting is a job. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about... Alan says, kids make you have faith in humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, Get your priorities in line real fast around kids, right? Robert- and thank you all, by the way, in the chat. Don't forget, subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to like the video. But thank you all who are in the chat chiming in. I love it. I promise you I'm going to learn how to man the chat better. I'm almost afraid to hit on something right now. It's going to be sound that just comes out. You're going to be like, Jed, don't do that. Um, Keep going, Tyler. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Uh, Robert said, I'm a dude who likes the idea of kids, but in the future, still in school and getting settled, people still pressure me. I can't imagine what it's like for girls. Do it in your own time. Do it in your own time. You, no one knows you better than you. So like, and not everybody's on the same path. My husband was ready to have kids at 25. He was like, I'm good. At 25, I wasn't even close. I was not even close. So you got to know yourself, right? And, you know, people are going to pressure you to do all kinds of things in life. So again, last thing you need is to follow somebody's advice and wind up in a life that feels like it's not yours. Terrible, terrible. Tony says, Jedediah, excellent content and point of view that makes sense of what is really happening in our daily lives. Keep it up. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate all the support, all the kindness, and all of the comments that say, Jed, you've, I think you've gone off the deep end. I love it. I love it. I love, I love, I love some controversy. So thank you so much for being here. I hope everyone has an amazing weekend. Again, show note, I will not be here on Monday. I have something to take care of for business. Um, I will be back on Wednesday and we will be live in studio with Rolo Tomasi talking dating, men, women, relationships, maybe even a little bit of politics and the woke stuff that's going on. We're going to get him to weigh in on everything and anything. It will be Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, live in studio. Me, Rolo Tomasi, that's the next time you'll see me. Stay tuned and have an amazing weekend. Maybe go get some tacos. I don't know if I'm in a Taco Friday type of place. I'm kind of, I'm feeling like a, I'm feeling like a meatball macaroni kind of day. I'm an Italian, so we say macaroni. That's what I'm feeling. But you never know. A taco might come round the bend by tomorrow. So you in a taco type of place, Todd? I'm definitely not in a meatball macaroni. <laughs> Everybody at home was like, Jed, first of all, what's macaroni? Who says macaroni in this? Listen, I told you I was an antique. You signed up anyway. Now you get what you deserve. Have a good weekend. Hang out with a crazy Italian. It'll do you good, I promise. Talk to you soon.